Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs, the date September 10th, the year 2020 on the state in 1974. Four-time Defensive Player of the Year, Ben Wallace, perhaps the only better undrafted player to ever defend better than Matthew Dellavedova and play for the Cavaliers. Ben is 46, played for the Cavs for a couple of seasons part of that Larry Hughes trade, but we got a couple of guests today, Justin Matcham of the Cavs Central Podcast, and Dan Gielinski, writer for King James Gospel. Guys, it's great to have both of you on today. Thanks for having us on. Ditto. Thanks a lot. And so, either of you have any thoughts on the career of Ben Wallace as a Cavalier before we dive into the content for today? Dan, I'll let you go first. Uh, not a whole lot there. Uh, still defended pretty well inside, but um, gave him toughness, I guess. But uh, watching those LeBron spacing days, he, he I don't know how he even scored that basket, honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. <laughs> shout out to Ben Wallace. Yeah, shout out to Ben Wallace. I don't know why he played power forward. I mean, Forget about jump shots. The man struggled shooting free throws and for, worse than Shaq, 40%. But nevertheless, he went from undrafted, tiny school, being the guy that he was, and getting to retire as a piston when all was said and done. So it all worked out for Ben. But we start off today talking about three current Cavs, a guy I just mentioned, Matthew Delvadova. We've all been there, guys, on Twitter. I mean, I hate this game personally, to, you know, start – trade keep or bench cut trade whatever but I think it's interesting because there's three guys on the Cavs that have pretty much been fixtures on and off for the last uh, six years plus that could all be headed somewhere else or they could all be back so Justin we'll start with you you have to start one which we think we bench one cut one but it's basically just who's the most valuable who's the second most valuable who do you get rid of between Matthew Delvadova, Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love I think it's kind of a tricky one because obviously Tristan and Del Vadova are unsigned, but I think if you can get Tristan Thompson on the right deal, I might go with the starter keep for him. I, I think looking at Love's deal, it's just, you know, it, it, it might be kind of difficult to get off of him even if they wanted to. Right. Well, it, it has proven difficult to get off of him even when they've wanted to. So I think if they're able to get – Tristan Thompson on a team-friendly one-year deal this year, I think he would be my my start or my keep. Okay, and then would you so oh so you pro if everything aligned would Delhi be the cut or would it be Kevin Love via trade? Uh, that would be the I, I I would put I would put Love in that in that bench spot and then I would unfortunately cut Delvadova. Yeah. Tough, but it has to happen. What about you, Dan? Where do you stand on this? I just think for the Cavs, I think drafting a big would be uh, probably a solid move for them. If it were a Kongwu, I, I think for me, I, I'd go with start. I guess I'll go with Kevin Love or Keith. I, I just think next, probably after next offseason is probably the better move for the Cavs. Um, after the kind of post-free agency frenzy type thing um, for those kind of second-tier teams to look for a love partner there. And I would honestly cut Tristan Thompson. I think he's he's had a phenomenal career with the Cavs, um, given kind of the expectations involving him. Um, carved out a hell of a career with them, frankly. 
but I, I just think it's his time to his time to go to a contender and um, kind of you can kind of manufacture what you need to in, in that dunker roar uh, realm and and the Cavs will have enough offensive rebounding next season anyhow. Um, so I think it's time to let him go, um, just from my perspective. And I, and I bench Dilly. I think he's still a nice player to have. Um, it's kind of that third lead playmaker type. Um, and kind of behind the scenes, I think he can really help uh, the young guards in their progression. And um, I just I just think he's a valuable guy to keep around and, and will cost the Cavs next to nothing, it seems like. Yeah, I uh, couldn't have said that better myself, Dan. Uh, I'd, I'd probably do the same thing. Uh, we'll get through this season with Kevin Love first and then see what's out there. Obviously, it's going to be a weird year. The draft is going to get pushed back a month. We're going to talk about that next to late November from October. So who knows when the season's even going to start, how the salary salary is going to line up based on, you know, the, the COVID complications obviously had kind of a large impact on how much you pay everybody, which is why the Magic got rid of the radio broadcasting team. But that, that being said, getting back to the subject, I, I'm, I think Delhi agrees way too valuable to just cut loose, keep him on a team-friendly deal, give him whatever he wants. I don't think it's about the money for him right now. He just wants to come. Obviously, he's not going to get the same contract. So he'll be cost a little less on the books and he's earned the opportunity to stick around. And for Tristan, my ideal situation is they sign him to a big one year deal. If they can't sign anyone else in free agency and then trade it at the deadline and pick something up. If they can't do that, obviously he would just be gone next year. And if they don't have that plan, I'm okay with him walking. He's had a great run and we're going to come back to Tristan, but guys, we move to the draft and Dan, we're going to start with you, Justin, we'll go to you second. Everybody's got some different <clears throat> different thoughts on who the Cavs should take. You know, we, we're seeing all these different accounts on Cavs Twitter <clears throat> kind of come in with different thoughts and who they should get here and who they should get there. But, Dan, we'll start with you. Who is number one, number two, and number three on your Cavs draft board with them picking at number five? Uh, number one, uh, I guess I'll kind of go back in mind uh, a little bit. Uh, I'd say for the Cavs for now uh, – a piece that could really fit into their culture, I think, is Isaac, Ocon uh, Isaac Okoro from Auburn. Uh, he's a hell of a defender. Uh, versatile, he can switch at a high level, I believe, one through three, and uh, has is sturdy enough at two twenty five, and and has a plays with a low center of gravity. I think he he does a really good job of deterring post entries as well. Uh, does a good job against against fours. Uh, honestly, he can fit right into that if that's needed at times um, or at least if there's cross matching he can hold his own a little bit which which would help and a really good driver and has a, an outstanding passing feel that honestly at Auburn we didn't see uh, nearly enough of I thought I thought he was just how they played him he was kind of limited in that way but yep. um, just a piece that fit in right away um, at that three spot and uh, for two, I guess I'd have to go uh, for the Cavs with probably Denny uh, Abdia. Um, at this point, I just think he has a tremendous feel for the game, um, which for a young player, you can't really overstate that. Uh, and also with him, he's he's got size enough at, at 6'9", about 220 to – slide into three, obviously, um, and I just think over time would be a, a solid upgrade over Jetty, 
yep. who is, is a nice player at this point in probably a rotational role, has worked himself into a solid catch-and-shoot guy, a, a legitimate spacer, I think, at this point. He helps in that way. But Abdia is just a, a, a different level of passer, which this Cavs team really needs uh, more of in coming years. And defensively has has versatility enough to guard two through four, at least at least three and four in a number of matchups. And while he probably does need to add a little bit of bulk, maybe 10, 10 or so pounds, I think over time, um, I, I just think he can help them in a, in myriad ways. And uh, the shooting is a question mark, sure, but um, leading into their hiatus and coming out of it in the IBSL, I, I just think he showed plenty of pull-up shooting potential and the Cavs have a tremendous, uh, tremendous player development staff that honestly it could help Okoro as well on his shot. And then three, I'd have Onyeka uh, Kongwu, who is a, or, uh, mentioned big from USC, still only 18 years old, I believe. And um, just, again, another player with great feel, especially defensively, uh, high-level team defender and very switchable, I think, in today's league. He'd, he'd do a really good job in that way. And um, also a, gr- uh, a very good passer, even though we didn't see it at USC. Yeah, well said. Some uh, great prospects for sure. And now, Justin, top three Cavs potential draft board. What does it look like for Justin Matcham? Well, obviously, I left um, LaMelo, Wiseman, and Edwards off of my board. I assume that they're going to be taken. So looking past that, I also have a Coro at number one. Again, I just think if you're just looking purely at fit, which the Cavs shouldn't do, but you know, abilities as well. But as fit, I think he's the best fit in, in, in the Cavs system. I think the ability to get a, a high-level defender in, at the three spot is going to be really, really important. And I think Okoro can be that guy for you. Again, the shot is is not looking good right now, but with with Okoro's work ethic and the Cavaliers player development staff, you gotta, you know, it, it doesn't seem crazy to think that that could come around at least to a competent jump shot. I think he could reach, you know, 33, 34% from three, which I would be happy with. Looking past that again, just Overall, smart player, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. So he's, he's number one on my board. I actually had Okongwu at number two on my board, although the Cavs seem less interested in him than I do. Again, just that, that versatility from the big spot again is really, really valuable. I'm not saying that he's going to become Bam Adebayo, but I think that type of player is what the league is kind of shifting towards as far as the center spot. So another guy who just kind of gives you everything, another high energy player. So the Cavs based off of Fedor says that, you know, they, they are not as interested in him. They'd rather have, I, I don't understand the reports that the Cavaliers aren't interested in um, Okongwu, but they are interested in Obi Toppin, but we'll move on. Yep. Number three on my board. I also had um, Denny Abdia. I think if he's I, – I, I kind of have a feeling the, the Bulls will take him at number four. But if he's still there, definitely somebody that you'll have to take a look at. You, you got to love the versatility, uh, you know, the, the point forward potential. 
again, I think the shot can come around. Good enough athlete, you know, another good enough defender. He's not going to kill you on that end. So that's what my board is looking like. It was hard for me to leave the sell off, but I had to. Yeah, Devin's got a real bright NBA future as, a, as perhaps the, one of the next great 3 and D players. Now, personally, guys, I don't have any strong opinions. I just don't want the Cavs to mess this up. I mean, it's going to be the th- obviously the third year in a row in the lottery, although the second year in the lottery due to the season, the first time there was the, was the highly coveted Brooklyn pick, and the Nets just won a few games too many, which is why the pick fell down to eight when it did. But you know, in another world, the Cavs ended up with a top pick in that draft. Might have ended up with, with a Luka, a Trey, or you know, a DeAndre Ayton. But nevertheless, the future is looking very good, as we all know. Things are starting to look up. Now, fifth, obviously, fifth pick's not what any Cavs fan wanted, but fifth pick is still, still in the top five. I mean, you're going to get a great player no matter what. You just have to make sure you get the guy that fits. But from there, guys, we circle back to Tristan Thompson. And Justin, we'll start with you. So under assuming that, that Tristan leaves in free agency and goes somewhere else and say he's done playing for the Cavs, he doesn't come back for one year to close his career, should the Cavs retire his jersey number? I personally believe that they absolutely should. Again, this is somebody that you've drafted who has spent his entire career here up to this point. He's been on your only championship team as a starter and really just a critical role on that team. You know, they, they don't win that without him, I don't think. He was just as important as any other player outside of Kyrie or LeBron. And you also you look at other players who have been retired. Nate Thurman has his jersey retired by Cleveland. And I know that Nate Thurman in his peak was a better player, and he was still a valuable player to Cleveland. But if you can retire his jersey, you can, you can definitely retire Tristan Thompson's. Yeah, a great point to make there. And I, I, I agree. I think they – they should take Tristan's jersey number 13 and hang it in the rafters. And what are your, what are your thoughts on this, Dan? Yeah, Justin pretty much hit the nail on the head. I, initially, uh, bef- well, I should say before, not too long ago, I was, I was kind of in the other camp that um, he's had a nice career, but I, I, I thought that, I mean, in other, it, it depends with the Cavs. There's not, I mean, they've had some teams in, in their past that have had sustained success success in the 80s and in early 90s so um, there was that era but in had the Richfield era but there's not been a a huge culture winning by and large with the Cavs it's kind of been sputtered throughout and uh, yeah given what Justin said he, he's drafted here in 2011 his uh, has worked his ass off to uh, carve out a hell of a role um, and Given what he's accomplished um, in a Cavs uniform, I'll I'll give him his due. Um, there, there's and what he did in the in the postseason in that in 2016, and honestly, all the postseasons that he was in those um, with LeBron, he, he's he was a crucial contributor. Um, took his game, it seemed like, to a, a different level in the postseason often, and uh, yeah, it's 13 will probably be in the Raptors. I I would think that's probably almost a hundred percent chance that you would think given as Justin said, Nate Thurmond is up there and it had a productive, productive career, but yeah, Tristan's definitely will be up there for sure. Absolutely. You know, we'll see if it winds up happening for him. Uh, and from Tristan, we talk about our old pal, Jeff Green. It's 
He's with the Cavs a couple of years ago. He's been on several teams since his run with the Cavs. The Rockets are the sixth different team he's been to the playoffs with. The Cavs are the only team, believe it or not, that he ever actually reached the conference finals and then obviously the finals with. So Jeff Green, guys, is averaging 12 points per game, which is his highest playoff total since 2012-13 with the Celtics. And it's his highest total for a team that made it out of the first round for him. He's averaging five rebounds, shooting 52% from the floor, 45% from three. It really stinks. He's stuck playing center right now, having to cover Anthony Davis. Uh, obviously, he does a lot better against Markeith Morris and Kuz and maybe even JaVale. But Jeff Green's had a real nice year. It's interesting because Utah, I thought he was a great fit for the Jazz as a backup forward. They really could have used him against Denver. They cut him way too early to pick up Ray John Tucker, who might have an NBA future, but he's only 22 years old. The reason we're having Jeff Green discussions, he had that very good year for the Cavs. He had 19 points in Game 7. It also seems that 19 is the Cavs' magic number for a surprise role player to score. Delhi scoring 19 in the elimination of the Bulls back in 2014. So it's 2015, rather. So 19 is the number. That was Jeff's playoff high. But, guys, he's in Houston now as a backup center. A very different role than he's ever been used to. Can you see an NBA future for him somewhere else or after this year? Is he going to stay in Houston? Or do you think having to play center and guard the big guys, he's lost his love for the game? Start with you, uh, Justin. I definitely think he'll still be in the NBA. I don't think. I, I, I mean, I, I think he, I think he's found a good role here with the Rockets, even. And you know, if he if he resigns, he's not going to be going up against Anthony Davis every night. He, he'll he'll get to play against the Marquis of the world if he's just in, with the Rockets in the regular season. Yep. And I think Jeff Green has proven that. I mean, he decided to sign here, and I think, you know, he kind of knew what he was getting into, that he'd have to, he wouldn't be just playing small forward. But I, I like this role for Jeff Green. Obviously, it's a weird one, and it's unlike anything he's ever done. But assuming that Houston is still a very serious, you know, contender next year, which when I say very serious, I mean, you know, about the level that they're at this year. Yep. I think he's, he may have found a home, and he might actually be on the same team two years in a row. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've seen that. He had very odd one-year stops with the Magic and Wizards. The Magic stop made no sense because when he signed, they also had Sergi Baca, Aaron Gordon, Bismack Biombo, and Nikola Vucevic already there. So that was just a weird on all fronts. But, but Dan, what are your thoughts on Jeff Green and perhaps his future beyond this season? Yeah, I, I, that's a well said. Uh, it, he's fit in well with Houston in that role. Um, it, it could it be, he might be taking teams a little bit by surprise with it. Sure. But he fits that style. I mean, he can fit in that role and kind of has benefited from the space that they've been able to have around him. And he's still, still an athletic player um, can give you some versatility. And yeah, as Justin said, they're not going to be, playing Anthony, Anthony Davis is on the world every night. So, um, yeah, there's, I think that's a good fit for him. And yeah, I think he'll, he'll stick around. And if it doesn't end up being the Rockets, he'll still, he has ability enough to be able to find a rotational spot somewhere you would think. And going forward, I mean, he's, he's not going to cost you too, too much. You wouldn't think. So I, well, I do like what both of you said I want to circle back quick before we move to our final subject so Jeff Green you say he won't be going against Anthony Davis's every night however 
a lot of teams are starting to find this one very good big. And if they're playing the Cavs, he has to cover Andre Drummond. That's not going to be fun. He's got Nikola Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid. I mean, we're, we're just scratching the surface with, with some great bigs. Do you really think, though, that he – I'm, I'm just going to ask real quick before we move on. For Jeff Green, for Robert Covington, for P.J. Tucker, do you think they enjoy the role they play on Houston? Because I'm just – I'd love to know what it's like to be a six seven guy that has to play like a seven-footer every single night in order to beat the best teams in the league. Because Harden and Westbrook, at the end of the day, as great as they are, they're going to win because of the defense of the guys around the rim. Dan, we'll start with you, and then Justin, and then we'll go to our final subject. Well, I think with them, it's – I mean, that's a, it's a good counterpoint too, but uh, the way that Rockets play, they – I mean, yeah, they do that switch everything scheme, but – they do kind of like a half-court trap in a, a lot of sense. So um, there's a lot of doubling in it anyway. So it, it's not – they're not on an island as like in the post all that often. And a lot of it's just trying to deter entry feeds, that sort of thing. So – and honestly, on the other end of the spectrum, I think for them, for those kind of players, it, it also opens up a lot of opportunity for them to let it fly in the other end offensively. So – um, and due to the spacing, they can also get to the basket um, off just kind of hard closeouts, that sort of thing for Green. So I think it kind of balances out, and, and guys understand they're going to have to work hard uh, on the interior defensively. But um, I just think it's there's a lot of trapping into their defense, a lot of doubling. It's, it's an aggressive style that's high risk uh, because you are susceptible to uh, ball swings going the other way too. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's something that they buy into. It doesn't take long for guys to do that just because they have the freedom to let it fly in the other end. Well said, Dan and Justin, how about you? That's a really good point, Dan, as far as the offensive end, looking at just the defensive end though, and battling with guys down low, you have to take into consideration that you mentioned, you know, some of the top guys, but a lot of teams that they play, they play their centers off the floor. So even a guy like Andre Drummond might not get as many minutes in a game as he normally would when playing Houston, just because Andre's not a total wreck on defense, but he's not, you know, guarding on the perimeter isn't really his thing. So you, you have to consider that. And also, you know, as far as, as Robert Covington's and the Jeff Green's of, the, of that team go, it might be kind of an adjustment for him, but I think that PJ Tucker is built for this. You know, people who kind of have been making jokes since the start that, you know, he's just going to get pushed around, you know, playing down that that small. He's been the one pushing guys around. Nobody can move that guy. He is unbelievably tough. I think it was on the low post. Zach Lowe said that if a grizzly bear and P.J. Tucker were battling for a rebound, he would pick P.J. Tucker. And I agree with that. I think he's he's going to take on any any role any amount of of banging that that you throw at him and he's just going to completely embrace it the only concern for pj is his age i think he, is he 34 35 as of 35 May. yeah yeah that's that's the biggest concern for him which it, it might creep up on him but it hasn't yet so as far as that's concerned i i think especially looking at a P.J. Tucker, and then you look at the freedom that he gets on the offensive end. He, he leads the league in corner threes. I think I, – I don't think he has any problem playing that role. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I just want to say shout out to Anthony Parker, who was a, his, his first Anthony Parker and PJ Tucker had identical NBA careers. I'll just say this quick before we get to our final subject. Anthony Parker was drafted in the late nineties, but no one seems to remember that he played for the Nets. He played for, I think maybe the magic took him six years to get back to the NBA Raptors found him in a scrimmage against Maccabi Tel Aviv, signed him. That was the year P.J. Tucker came out of Texas. This was 06, 07. If you play NBA Live 07, you'll have P.J. Tucker as a shooting guard on the Raptors. Yes, a shooting guard. He's elevated three positions without gaining a single inch in size. Played a year. You guys remember he was five years overseas, came back with the Suns, proved himself every night, was starting by year two back in the league. Toronto acquired him to shut down LeBron. They got swept. Rockets get him, starts off as a reserve, comes into his own as a starter now, and just playing out of his mind. So I wanted to give that Cav connection, Anthony Parker's rookie, his non-rookie rookie season was the same as P.J. Tucker's rookie season, though neither it, – it's, it's, it's interesting when you get a guy that plays, then has to wait so long to come back. And it's just also just great to see the likes of Tyson not, – not to get off the Cavs beat completely, but Daniel Tyson, Brad Wanamaker, I believe, actually were part of the same draft – in 2011, they were both declared, both undrafted, both took a long time to get to the NBA, and now they're teammates on a team that's a win away from the conference finals. So never give up on what you want to do is what that says. But, okay, back to the – this is across the Cavs after all, guys. So, Colin Sexton has had two magnificent NBA seasons so far. He's proved that he can get buckets with the best of them. He was the first player since Tim Duncan to score, I believe it was 23 straight points in seven or more games in a row as a rookie. And it's crazy that that hadn't been done given the talent we've had and the Lucas and the LeBrons and even Tyreek Evans as a rookie. There have been so many others. Colin averaged 21 points a game. He was averaging 30 a game in March. What are the chances, uh, Justin, we'll start with you and then close with Dan. What are the chances that Colin Sexton can ever make the cover of NBA 2K? I think that the chances are probably pretty slim. Maybe he could get on like a like the the My Two K app, like their the, their mobile app. Maybe he can get the cover of that if he has a great ear. Maybe he could get on like NBA Live or something. But you're you're looking at the cover of you know NBA Two K, the main game. You're you're looking at joining a company of. Stephen Curry, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, as far as guards. I, I truly believe that Sexton will be a, a very good player and a very fun player for years to come. But I, I don't know. Making a cover, as of right now, he could have an outstanding year and completely turn around everyone's opinion. But as of right now, it seems like a little bit of a stretch to me. So before we go to you, Dan, Justin, you're just saying that the best way that Colin Sexton can make the 2K cover is if we open up Photoshop and paste him in right now? That would be a great way to get him on the cover. <laughs> what about you, Dan? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, uh, that's a good point. I mean, if you want to go ahead and do that, go for it. Uh, yeah, it's it, for him to be in the same what breadth of – Dame and, and Kyrie is just a stretch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, can Colin be a 25-point-a-game score at some point? I, I don't think that's far-fetched to say. But um, it's it's just hard to see. Uh, the Cavs are going to have to end up being a real contender for that to be the case. 
Um, and I, I'm not exactly sure when that'll be, if that'll be the case with him here. Um, but it's maybe it'll be when he, if he isn't here eventually, but uh, I, I don't see Colin as, it's hard to say all-star potential with him. I, I just, I don't know if, if that'll be the case. I, I mean, I, with his work ethic, it's possibility, but yeah, 2K cover, cover is, that's like borderline top five guard territory. And, and I just, I don't see that with him just given that, I mean, he's a bucket getter, sure, but not nearly. Um, it, it's just hard to say if, if that's what that's going to lead to. And, and I don't see the name type ability down the road that's just that's just a trust to me uh, great points from both of you on that to kind of drill home the, the negativity that it won't happen but I, I agree with it though I, I think it's it's very hard to get in there I think that we almost the Cavs almost had a Kyrie cover except Kyrie was traded to Boston so they had to remake the cover but it'll, it'll happen maybe they'll get a legend edition for Mark Price or Brad Darty in Cleveland stores at least uh, probably not the <laughs> other stores but hey whatever you get you get but all right guys so then Cleveland stores, it'd, it'd have to be a Ricky Davis one. but Yeah, <laughs> yeah Ricky Davis. Why are they drafting LeBron? They already got me. <laughs> one of the top quotes that have probably ever come out of Ricky Davis, who actually is still getting buckets in big three. But all right, guys, final question not for today's show before we, uh, we wrap it up. Over, under, all-star games. You guys can kind of just go, go as you whatever order you'd like. Three all-star games, Colin Sexton, over, under, or even. Dan, I'll let you go first. I need to think about this for a second. Uh, I'm going to say under. I'll, I'll say it's two, but um, I, I, I'm not – I don't say that with definitively because, I, I mean, Colin is – he's a, as much of a worker as you're going to get for a young kid. Um, I, I could be wrong, but it, it's just – the Cavs are going to have to be a winner for, for that to be the case uh, multiple, multiple times, so – um, we'll have to see on that, but I I don't say that with any I don't say it definitively, but I'll, I'll go with two for now. All right, Justin, your time has come. What do you got? I'm I'm going back and forth between I, I'm taking the under. Okay. I'm going back and forth between one or two appearances, just because I I kind of feel like if if we project his long term role, as of right now, I still kind of feel like his best role moving forward is going to be kind of in that six man role where he just comes in and, you know, just gets buckets and scores a lot in a short period of time. I kind of feel like there's, that's still a very realistic outcome for Sexton. And in the meantime, you know, I mean, I don't think that the Cavs, I think that that's in a situation where the Cavs are really contending I don't think that they're in that position right now, and I fully expect them to start this year and maybe even next year, you know, or like two seasons from now, I guess I should say. Yep. But maybe we see some six-man-of-the-years from, from Colin at some point in his career. I think he definitely has that type of potential, but it's really hard for those types of guys to make all-star games, especially when they are coming off the bench. So as of right now, we'll see – we, we obviously don't know what his role is going to be. We don't know how the other area of his game are going to improve. You know, he might improve enough on the defensive end to where he can stay out there. We're just going to have to see. But right now I'll take the under. All right. I will I'll probably go even at three. We'll see what happens. But, Justin, if 
he makes it as a reserve. He'd be the first guy since Kobe Bryant, RIP Kobe, to make it with more reserve appearances than starting appearances, going back to, I believe it was his second NBA season. But Justin, Dan, great having both of you on and look forward to collaborating again very soon. Yep, thanks a lot for uh, having us, Zach. Appreciate it. It was a good time. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, so from the Cavs Central Pod to King James Gospel, this has been Across the Cavs. As always, I'm your host, Zach Weiss, and we will see you next time.